Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello and welcome uh, everyone and hello to uh, season three of Sweet Talk. And uh, Paul, we're well into our season three. Season three, three seasons. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) You know, we're, we're almost at like 80 total episodes. When I wow. count, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like close to 60 uh, unique guests. Oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah, that including our doubles. So um, we, we did really well these last couple seasons. And with that being said, we've got a really good show today. Um, and uh, we've, I, I guess, an old, I guess I'll say this, someone who's very familiar with uh, Sweet and someone who is uh, also very familiar with uh, the Pocatello and ISU community. And with that being said, Paul, I'm going to say the magic words like we always do. And then uh, I'm going to have you introduce our guest. How's that sound? Hey. So welcome, everyone. And with that, we know the 20-minute timer started. And so, Paul, introduce our guest this morning. Yes, Always our guest today is, a friend, is an actual <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> I, I think I can call him friend. Um, uh, he used to be the um, – uh, he's – used to be the director for continuing education workforce training uh and then he uh, sadly left us and now he's got an even better position working as county commissioner he just recently was an inter- he was an interim county commissioner and he just won his election uh congratulations jeff jeff huff um you know uh our current county commissioner um for bannock county and uh um you know my ex-boss how you doing today jeff <laughs> I'm doing great. And like we were talking about before, I was there in the early days of this, and I'm so proud of what you guys have done from what we started. It's just, I love it. I'm so proud. And I'm just glad to say I knew you when, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jeff, I think Paul's got a pretty committed following. I think there are people who listen specifically to sweet talk just to hear it, it, it's the boston accent <laughs> that must be, that must <laughs> well it be. is and that's why we hired you <laughs> that's right. on the hiring committee that's why we hired you really <laughs> yeah. we just want to sit around and talk to you all day <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool well jeff hey uh i'm glad you're on the show today and, and i you know i know uh in your position there's a lot of things that you would probably want to talk about but can i can we maybe just start at the beginning is um, you, how did you end up as county commissioner? Was this a goal? Was this a position you were looking for? Did it kind of just come and then you took advantage of some opportunities or made said yes when most normal people say no to things? I mean, how exactly do did you end up in this position? Well, as, as Paul knows, I'm a digital marketing aficionado. And for the last three or four years, I'd been working in elections. I have a friend of mine, Steve Brown, and we started doing some political consulting and doing some digital marketing for candidates probably back in about 2016 is when we started. And I've always been interested in politics. So when Steve 
invited me to come join his team and start doing it, the digital side. I, I jumped at that. And as the time went on, I realized that how important it was to have good people in elected office. And it didn't, and it doesn't really matter whether you're a Republican or Democrat, but if you're a good person that's there for the right reason and, and wanting to work hard for the public, those are the people that we need in office. And uh, back in January, or Steve, over the years, we, he and I had talked several times about me running for office. And I said, yep, if the situation's right, I'll, I'll do it. I'm interested. And so I would do that. Steve called me up in January and said, hey, there might be a, a potential that I need to leave. Would you be interested in running for my office if, if that position came open? And I went home that night and talked to my wife about it. And she said, yeah, that seems like what you were born to do. And I went, okay. And so that began the process of becoming a commissioner. So um, you served as interim before the election, though. Is How did that process pan out? Or come about how that process works is when when steve brown announced his resignation from the commission then the bannock <clears throat> county republican party or whoever is the party behind that seat has the opportunity to put three names forward to the governor for the governor to select one of the three and because i knew a lot of people in the party for working on the elections the last few years and and i put my name in the hat and so i was one of three people that got sent to the, the governor and we had an interview with the governor, spent had about 30 minutes on the phone with him. And then I was selected to be one of the one that he appointed to fill the vacancy. So July, I think it was like second, I was appointed and took office. Oh, okay. And, and what a time to take office, right? What a time to come into the political arena when, um, you know, the questions are just not you know, uh, the federal level or the state level, but I mean, with this current, you know, the pandemic and all that, I mean, there's some very local uh, decisions that are made on the local level that are affecting, that are extremely important. And so I bet that was sort of jumping into the midst, out of the fire and into the, or out of the frying pan into the fire kind of scenario, or, or how was that? That was exactly what you're saying, because <laughs> I, I literally, and, and that time of the year for the commissioners, uh, that's, their board of equalization period. And what board of equalization is, is when everybody gets their property taxes and they screen because their property values have gone up, sure. they can come to the commissioners to appeal that. And so day one, I no sooner had put my hand down to say, I will, they marched me down to the commissioner's chamber and I start hearing people complaining about their property taxes and trying to make adjustments. And so for my first three weeks sitting in the chair, eight hours a day of that and man, talk about learning by fire. That was, that was it. And, and wow. yet, and then you, you know, well, what does that say? Right. I mean, obviously you go back to that, uh, you know, good people, right. We need right. good people in public um, office. And so something about that process inspired something in you to keep with it. I'm assuming, you know, it was, and, and it was interesting because for the, for the, about the first week, I, I was really caught between what the law said and what mercy said, because I, I could hear these old people come in and say, you know, my values went up here and I can't afford to keep my house. Is there something we can do? And, and for a long time, there was that moral tug of war that I was really caught between a hard place and a rock. And I almost quit because I, I would just go home sick at night. And finally, I just reached a point where it was, you know, I got to do what's best for the people. 
And so I found something that worked for me and we made kind of a consistent adjustment across the board and that worked for me. And so. Yeah. Now, yeah ultimately you're the one that's got to kind of be able to sleep with that too. Right. You've got, right. you know, you, you bring yourself to the position um, and you want to make yourself available, but at the same time, you have to be accountable to yourself at the end of every night. So yep. what, what a tough, what a tough thing to do right out of the gate. Yeah. So like I'm saying within the first hour, I was down there saying yes or no. And that was tough. <laughs> wow. So um, I was having a discussion with uh, Jason this morning going, I'm not really sure what a County commissioner does. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, what does a County commissioner do? <laughs> you know, that is a really good question. And, <laughs> I was laughing because as I went through this political cycle as a candidate, I would listen to my opponent and the other people that were running for the office talk about what they want to do. And I just shake my head and go, you have no clue what you're talking about. And before I got in here, I had no clue what I was talking about. And people think that we wield this enormous power in the county, but they forget that there are like five other elected officials that we have no control over. So as a county commissioner, my, my number one thing that I'm in responsible for is the budget. I hold okay. the purse strings. And so if, if the sheriff's department wants to purchase new vehicles, they have to come through me. If uh, Road and Bridge wants to purchase a, a new tractor for the landfill, it, that comes through us. And so that's our number one thing. The number two thing that we do is we, we really take care of a lot of the HR related issues throughout the county. We set county policy as far as personnel. Uh, we oversee things, but we don't necessarily have a lot of direct control over it. Like the assessor's office, I get calls all the time. Can you guys do something about our assessment? Nope. nope. That she's an elected official. That's an elected department. I have no control over that. Can I try to go visit and have some some influence, yes, I can, but I have no control. Elections, when uh, Jason Dixon said we're not going to require people to wear masks, oh, my inbox filled up with people <laughs> screaming, "How dare you do this? How dare you?" You know what? Not my department. I, I, I have no control over that. Mm -hmm. So, for for the county commissioner, the big thing that we do is we oversee a lot of different things. Uh, budgets being the primary one. We have several departments that we have direct managerial responsibility for, like Road and Bridge. That would be one. Uh, the, the event center, the wellness complex, we have direct oversight there. So maybe, yeah, I was going to say maybe about a third to two-thirds of the county we have direct over, not two-thirds, but at least a third we have direct oversight. The rest of it is other elected officials. So that's what we do. Sure. Well, and there comes the, the there comes the art of politics, right? Yes. I mean, I think, and, and the beauty is also the frustration, right? Is where now that's where relationships, that's where conversations, the ability to to communicate, to listen, um, and to work to to you know happy ground resolution, whether or not everyone's happy, but at least some sort of resolution. That's that's the art form of politics. Yeah, my, my predecessor, Mr. Brown, talked to me all the time about this. And now that I'm here, I, I really understand it. Government was not designed to be efficient for a reason. And now that I'm here, and, and Paul knows me, I, I'm, a, I'm a go and do kind of guy. And there's a lot of days I feel like I'm just running my head against the wall. But if I step back and look at it, I go, okay, I understand. And so if I follow the process and do that, 
my, my headaches go down. <laughs> was that was that an initial challenge? Is uh, learning the processes and you know, uh, you know what you can and can't do. It is a daily challenge, a daily challenge. And you know, you, you take a lot of people like me that come from the private sector that have never been in government before, and you stick them in a government thing, and the learning curve is steep because you're just used to being able to go and do and and uh, you know. I consider myself a little bit of a maverick or they joking around here and call me a pirate all the time because it's like, Hey, let's go think outside the box and go do something. And the lawyers catch me all the time and go, Hey, Huff, you need to slow down. Oh, all right. My bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Not in politics, right? No, no, probably not in politics. That, that might be the one place that doesn't really hold true. So you just had an election recently. How much of a challenge was that? Or uh, were you confident throughout the, throughout the process that you would prevail? Or uh, were you just like, going, well, you know, we're both good people. I, what was that like? You know, it, it's interesting. It's a lot easier being a consultant walking another person through an election than going through <laughs> it yourself. You know, I was consulting. I was like, come on, this is not a big deal. Do this, do this and go. And then all of a sudden it's my turn to tell myself what to do. And that didn't work so well, but I had a good strategy. And, and, and uh, with COVID that really changed things because you weren't able to get out and meet in public. And so I tried to do a lot more online and that's what made the difference between my opponent and I is, is I had a much more visible online presence than, than they did. And, and that made the difference, but election night was stressful even though I felt pretty confident going in because of the, the technology that Banning County has, it was like an hour between updates. And that was like some of the longest hours of my life. <laughs> yeah. Nice so, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, you have more digital knowledge or um, social media knowledge than uh, a lot of other people that would be uh, campaigning in the same positions or other positions around you. Uh, do you feel that the ga that gave you the advantage? Yes. Yes. So, so do you, here's a little question then, I guess, Jeff, is this the, I mean, is it time for the electorate to embrace that this is the way uh, campaigns are going to be run? I mean, is the day of yard signs and, um, you know, going by and handing, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies, is that disappearing? I mean, obviously during COVID that's disappearing, but I mean, is it is now the digital campaign, the, the primary source of campaigning now? And maybe that's an unfair question. I don't want to put no, you. No, no, no. That's a great question. And, and, and prior to this year, actually two years ago, I would have said, absolutely. If you're not doing most of your stuff digitally, you're, you're, you're lost. But as I go through it, you really can't go digital anymore. Uh, I mean, you have to have a good mix. And, and who knows what's going to happen in the future. But even this year, yard signs were a huge thing. And and I had a certain strategy with my yard signs and, and because I didn't get mine out right away, I had people calling me, when are you going to get them out? Are you doing anything? What's going on? You know, some of your old school people and it was just be patient. They're coming, be patient. And as soon as my yard signs were out, you know, those phone calls died and everybody was okay. Now we see you're doing something. So I don't know if we'll ever completely get away from some of the traditional elements, yard signs being one, but, um, well, here's a good question. Um, on your um, digital events, do you think you were able to talk to more people on digital events than you would have done been able to do on personal events? Or what do you think? Absolutely. 
absolutely, I was able to reach more people digitally than I was in person. Um, and I, you know, I, I go and, and look at what some of the, I was able to speak at a couple of Rotary clubs. So, you know, there's 10 people here and 20 people there, but you know, as well as I do, Paul, you, you put a post out there, that post lives on. And, and I looked at traction and, and I was trying to get, I was trying to get up to 80,000 views on all of my social media posts. Oh, really? Yeah. I had, I had a target that I was looking for and I'll be honest, I fell short of it, but I exponentially beat my opponent with my, my online views and the content. So, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think I hit close to 50,000 views on all the content that I put wow, out. Wow. Wow. And, 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 you know, for a, a county election, that's, that seems really far reaching. And, and I felt pretty good about it. And some of that was paid and some of it was natural, but for a county election, I, I felt like that was a pretty good reach. And so I, I felt pretty good going into the election just based on that number alone. But again, you know, you never know. And without being able to get out and shake hands, I had no community. I couldn't judge the excitement in the community one way or the other. Right, sure. right. A thumbs up on Facebook or a like on Facebook does not carry with it the same weight as a handshake, a look in the eye and, and having and knowing, you know, having that that contact that you've connected with this person. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. So I, I get that. I get that for sure. Absolutely. So on on your marketing, um, was it um, your post just policy issues or did you also mix um, a little personality and personal with those uh, posts as well? I tried to mix personality along with the policy stuff. And I started doing a, a Facebook Friday, which I've been really bad at since the election. <laughs> been busy. I started doing a Facebook Friday and those were well received. I did a couple uh, uh, town hall meetings and those were okay, not great. But my posts where I would talk about a certain policy position and things that were going on, those were the ones that seemed to get the most attention. Sure. You know, I, I wonder this just in politics in general, and, and not that we've ever, that politics have never not been issue or policy based, right? Um, but we do know personalities and in our history as a country, and I'm speaking probably uh, a, a little larger than Bannock County, you know, personalities played a big role in it, right? But I'm wondering today with the information and the ability of both sides of a policy debate of an issue have the same opportunity to um, communicate their message that I'm, I'm wondering now if, if we almost are going to get to that point where the personality of the individual is second to what the issue that he, that, that person he or she stands on, you know, um, because that issues are being um, so microphoned or, you know, uh, put through a loudspeaker, right? It's the issue, issue, issue. I, 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 that's just, I don't even know if there's a question in there, Jeff. I think that was just me working through well, a thought in my brain. <laughs> well, it's an interesting thought. And I, and I, I've thought about that a lot. And I, when I was consulting, one of the things we'd always look and say, does, does the candidate pass the eyeball test? And, you know, if they're, if they're pleasing to look at, pleasing sure. to talk to, then you, you automatically have a leg up and I'm sorry to be so superficial, but that's, that's true. Yeah. And so after that, then policy while it's important, we are such a soundbite driven society that if you look good and can spout out a couple of good sound bites, I'm sorry, but the majority of the, of the voting public don't dive down deeper than that. 
And so with all of my messaging and all the things I tried to do, I, I tried to keep everything really short, really sweet. And, and just, you know, like my, anytime I did a video, you know, it was under three minutes. Sure. Oh yeah. People yeah. like that. And, you know, the other interesting thing is you talk about both sides being able to shout from the rooftops. I think that's only true to a certain extent because the minority of those who are willing to actually stick their neck out and post a, an opposing view or an opinion online, that number keeps getting smaller and smaller because of the backlash that's out there. Yeah. And so, you know, that silent majority is getting bigger and bigger. You know, that I, I really appreciate that insight that factored into a conversation I was having with a friend of mine earlier well, uh, on Sunday this week. And um, that was a comment that he was saying too, is, is he's noticed on Facebook that when he puts these posts out there, it's the, I use the reference, um, you know, you put your bait in the water and you're catching the same fish over and over and over again. Yep. Um, meaning that those people who respond either negatively or positively or in agreement or opposed to um, is getting, it's the same two or three people. Um, yep. And I, and I wonder, is that either, is that a, are we self-regulating ourselves as an electorate? Are we self-regulating ourselves as social media consumers that we just don't want to be the crazy person on social media anymore? I don't know. I, I would say the answer to that is yes. And again, because I've had my fingers in so many different elections on this side of the state, you are exactly right. Uh, I could, like, for example, in this last election, I did some work up in uh, Bonneville County. And I had three different candidates that I was working with, and I could track their negative comments back to the same group of people all the time. Mm -hmm. And the same with the positive group. It was the same group that were doing it. And that's what I'm talking about. The, the positive group is getting smaller. The negative group appears to be getting bigger, but they're not. It's just because the positive group is getting smaller because it is painful to stick your neck out anymore. It is. Yeah. And then that, I mean, I, that was our timer, by the way. So that means that we Man. went through 20 minutes and about seven and a half. <laughs> that's what I'm it just, feels it, like. It, it goes by fast, up. Jeff. It goes by fast. No, I know. I was watching myself and I'm thinking, okay, I got two minutes here. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I can't even, I kind of distracted there kind of a little bit on my comment, but I, but I guess to me, there's a little bit of hope in that, um, you know, that mighty pendulum swing that we do as a society on anything new or interesting or, or that maybe we are moving back to a different platform, hopefully a face-to-face -face platform where dialogue can occur, conversation can happen. Um, opposing views can come together um, and and maybe we're beginning to sort of self-regulate and to kind of push those factions out on the edge so that we can engage in the conversations that really amount to change. That's me in my ideal world because um, I like to live in a little bubble of idealism, but uh, I, I would, I, I, I'd be interested to see. We got four more years, it, not that everything evolves around the presidential election, but everything evolves around a presidential election for the most part. And, so it'll be interesting how this how this manifests itself in the next four years. Well, and it, you'll be able to start seeing it next spring when we do some of the local elections, yep. How, yep. how it goes. But, you know, as a society, we need that discussion. And right now we're just not having it. And it, it's vital to the success of our country. And I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, we need to be able to back and re-engage in that, that 
good debate, that good discussion, because that's when we move forward. And right on. We, we yeah. really need that. Yeah, I, I really think that, uh, you know, the digital stuff may, allows your reach to increase quite a bit, but the cost is you no longer have that eye-to-eye -eye contact. It's easy, it's easy to be impolite or um, divis you know, um, stir up that um, division when you don't have to look someone in the eye. Yeah, yeah. So, so with that being said, right? What a sweet talk, Paul. We're the idea to have a conversation with local people who are making a difference in our local community. See how I swing that back? <laughs> See how that works? <laughs> you know how I just tied that up nice and neat. You know, it's like I almost I'm I'm not getting good at this. That's for sure. So, so Jeff, if someone wants to reach out to your office, um, how do they do that? You can email me at jeffh at bannockcounty.us. And the phone number, I still don't know the phone number very well. The phone number here is 208-236-7210. Excellent. Uh, you can also reach me on Facebook, uh, Commissioner Jeff Huff. I have a pretty active Facebook page. In fact, I blew it up last week. I know we're about out of time, but I did a post, no, no, no. On, I did a post on hospital capacity. Oh, that went over 15,000 views, over 250 shares. Right it on. was insanity. Right. There people you go. Are, people are concerned nowadays. They so are. They are. so we want to encourage our, uh, I think we're up to 12 listeners now, Paul. We used to be, <laughs> Jeff, when we started this, it was just my mom and dad. I know, I know how it works, but now we're up to 12. I, I, I keep, I keep telling Jason, it's a slow crawl. It's slow crawl. It's slow so crawl. If any of our 12 listeners uh, want to get a hold of you, um, I'm assuming. That, and again, thanks for sharing that contact information, but I guess I want to stay. Uh, I've had a great conversation with you today, Jeff, and I'm assuming anyone that would want to have a similar conversation would have the same experience. So thank you for being on the show today. Yeah. Really, really thanks guys. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me and uh, good luck and keep on trucking because it's consistency is key. Right, Paul? Right. right. All right. <laughs> keep putting them out. So with that being said, if you want to get a hold of us, it's at cetrain.isu.edu. That's cetrain.isu.edu. Paul, perfect timing. Our phone number. Do you have the phone number slide or no? Uh, no, I'm going to, uh, it's, but it's 208 282 three three seven two thank you very much and jeff thank you thank you guys appreciate it thank you